do you need a certification to bring your dog into a hospital as a service animal? Christopher Knopf from the Disability Rights Legal Center is here to answer that question and more. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Welcome back, listeners. I hope you're having a great day out there. Let's thank our sponsor and jump right into the show. Thank you, Noda. Noda is powered by M&T Bank because you went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. How true. How true. Take advantage of Noda. No-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Visit trustnoda.com forward slash legal to learn more. That's Noda spelled N-O-T-A. Terms and conditions may apply. Okay, let's say hello to our guest, Christopher Knopf. He's a director of litigation at Disability Rights Legal Center. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I know you're up in uh, the Los Angeles area. You know, I'm down here in San Diego, California. This is one of these uh, California cases, a service animal case. And we've done one of these on uh, a previous show. And I think it's a really interesting area of law because there's a lot of conflicting rights and regulations here. And so today we're talking about the CL versus Del Amo hospital case. And uh, we're going to get into that in a second. But I just wanted to kind of learn a little bit more about the work that you do. You know, what kind of typical case do you uh, work on? What comes across your desk? Thanks, Lawrence. So Disability Rights Legal Center, or DRLC, is a nonprofit legal aid funded office in Los Angeles. And we focus on disability rights cases. We have a litigation project, which I direct, and we take generally low-income folks who have suffered some form of exclusion or discrimination or lack of accommodation in public accommodations, uh, governmental programs and services, schools uh, of all kinds, K-12, higher ed, testing accommodations, and so forth. So we try to help folks that whose case will help change the, the community, change the environment for uh, others with disabilities. So they are far-reaching cases. Uh, we sometimes do class actions, uh, and we work with a lot of private pro bono law firms. And we have done excellent work for more than 45 years and going strong today. Terrific, terrific. So Mo- Molly was uh, our producer, Molly McDonough. She was uh, really good when she booked you. So as I understand, you're also the lead counsel uh, for this case that we're talking about today. So CL versus Del Amo Hospital. So this is a case involving a, uh, a dog, and it was not uh, certified as a service dog. And we're going to get into all of that in just a second. But uh, tell us about the facts of the case. You know, what occurred? Why was the plaintiff suing the hospital? Sure. So I actually got this case back when I was with my prior small firm, Knopf Associates, and uh, CL uh, came to my office, like many folks do, and she knew her rights. She knew actually that the law really isn't you know, vague or conflicting in terms of what is a service dog and what her rights are to bring her service dog into public places and public accommodations. So she... Um, she is a 50-year-old woman with a PhD, super intelligent, researched her dog, trained her dog, and it was providing various tasks and work that were related to her disability, which is a psychiatric disability. And so CL, because of her uh, very traumatic childhood and ongoing suicidal ideation, dissociative disorder, PTSD, all sorts of symptoms, you know, she needed and continues to need ongoing mental health treatment. And so one of the places where you know, she sought treatment 
was Del Amo Hospital. I know that we'll get more into that in a minute. But the bottom line was, you know, CL trained her own dog very knowledgeably and very specifically. And what led to the lawsuit was the fact that the hospital would not allow her to bring her service dog with her for treatment. Now, uh, we're using initials here. CL is not her name. <laughs> CL are, are uh, initials. Now, what is the CL? Is that confidential litigant? Is that what that is? No, it's just basically initials for um, our client who wanted to retain her privacy for public records, you know, related to basically her past personal history. Okay. Uh, and the, the courts do permit use of initials when necessary. Totally understood. I think it's a I think it's a great idea. And then I, just another quick follow up. Now, what kind of dog are we talking about in this case? I know service animals come in all different sizes, but this was not a particularly big animal. Yeah, um, Aspen is this adorable little white Bashan poodle mix. Interestingly, and this is important for listeners to understand, you know, Aspen doesn't have a vest, doesn't have markings, doesn't have the guide dog harness. And so, you know, it looks like it's CL's dog, but nevertheless, Aspen was her service dog. And, you know, as we'll talk about, the law basically allows CL to bring Aspen with her wherever she goes. They are considered a service dog handler unit. And they, you know, all of the, the research and the science says they need to stay together. Uh, it's important that they stay together and work together constantly throughout the day. And that's exactly what CL does. All right, well, let, let's get into the roadblock. So the hospital refused to allow the dog into the facilities. And there was a couple of reasons. And we'll, we'll talk about those in just a second. But there was a, a, a dog training. There was a, a service animal certification. And uh, your client was uh, going through this because service dogs are very expensive. And so she was going to go the kind of do-it-yourself route, but get this certification through Little Angels. So walk us through that a little bit. And how, how was it that she was not able to complete the program? Sure. So the law is very clear. Certification is not required. Never has been. And through this, you know, wonderful published decision by the Ninth Circuit, it is very, very clear that it is not required going forward. Nothing in the statute, nothing in the Department of Justice regulations requires any certification. And in fact, if you look at the DOJ guidance, again, it's very, very clear. The public policy behind this is that we don't want certification, number one, because there's no universal standards for it. And number two, it is expensive. It is difficult. CL investigated this. She first looked to, to see if she could get, you know, a pre-trained dog. It would have cost her $15,000. So, and then in terms of Little Angels, they're a service dog training uh, facility. They're wonderful. And their director, Katie Gonzalez, was our our star expert at trial, and it's phenomenal. And Katie actually published a book that's in evidence in, in, the, in the trial called How to Train Your Own Psychiatric Service Dog. Oh, wow. And it's, it's available for purchase. And I encourage people who need it to, to use it because it goes through step-by-step step how you train your dog to perform tasks that are helpful to you for your disability. And just to be clear, for, for CL, for folks with PTSD and other psychiatric disabilities, you know, we're talking about alert, um, cornering, basically letting you know when someone is coming. Um, CL has hypervigilance. So the, the mere presence of the dog calms her, allows her to focus 
on what her work is, what it is she's doing, and her ability to function in society. So the dog also provides grounding so that, and we can get into this a little bit more, but in the hospital setting, it allows CL to benefit more from the therapy that she was getting if she had had Aspen with her. In this case, uh, there was a couple of reasons that the hospital uh, did not allow her to enter into the hospital with the dog. And so one was the certification. They were looking for a certified animal that could meet a certain threshold of, I guess, behavioral requirements. But also, I guess, from what I was reading, uh, the hospital did not believe they were set up to handle a service animal based on their treatments and environment. So we'll walk us to that a little bit, and then we'll get into the district court decision. Sure. So let's differentiate between two different things. What happened when CL went to Del Amo Hospital with Aspen in reality, and then what their litigation defense was. When CL brought Aspen to the hospital, all they did was request her vaccination records, which is what they're able to do, and CL provided them. And at that point, having identified Aspen as a service dog, CL should have been allowed to bring Aspen with her into the inpatient setting. She was qualified to receive the services. It's open to the public. The hospital should have allowed her in. There was no reason given, none whatsoever, at the time as to why they weren't allowing Aspen to come in. They just told her, no, you have to go board the dog and you have to come by yourself. They never discussed it with CL. They never looked at the situation. They never determined whether it was a service dog. They never challenged whether it was a service dog. They literally didn't understand the implications of of having a service dog present. So in the litigation, they're claiming, yeah, the dog wasn't certified. It's not a real service dog. It wasn't properly trained. You know, that's all to get away from liability. And the bottom line is, as the, as the court, you know, the Ninth Circuit ruled, there is no certification required. The definition is clear. A service dog is a dog trained to perform uh, at least one task for the benefit of a person's disability. That's it. CL and Aspen met that threshold and should have been allowed to bring Aspen into the hospital and allowed to accompany her throughout her treatment. Well, let's get to the the post decision analysis here. And so, basically, the uh, the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals made the decision to reverse the district court's decision and then ordered a new trial. So, with that in mind, you know what are the next steps for both the plaintiff and the defendant? Sure. So, just to clarify, no new trial. Uh, we did a bench mm-hmm. trial for four days. All evidence was received, and so the judge just issued initial findings. And before getting to what we thought the threshold issue was going to be, which was whether Aspen's presence would fundamentally alter the hospital's program, the judge actually threw us a curveball and determined that Aspen was not, we did not prove that Aspen was a service dog. And certification was really the heart of that, of the judge's decision. And certification is the heart of the Ninth Circuit decision. And that was reversed. The The Ninth Circuit said, no certification is required. Please go ahead and issue further findings. And that's where we are now. Gotcha. And so uh, just in terms of all of this in, in its final legal analysis, I have, have a question about this. Now, from a previous episode, and I'm going to put this in the show notes so we can go through it, as well as uh, uh, the case notes that, that I uh, researched as well. The right to a service dog is not absolute. There are some restrictions. So in terms of this case, kind of walk us through that uh, point-counterpoint. So what does this mean for service dog usage certifications? And then what does this mean for facilities that have 
bona fide reasons for maybe restricting the entry of a service animal? When, when are they allowed to actually do that? Sure. So there are definitely reasonable limitations in the law. And you can look at ADA.gov and the DOJ guidance and regulations, the technical assistance. And then I think they even have a fact sheet on hospitals specifically. And here's the, here's the way it works. You identify as having your own service dog. You're allowed to bring your dog with you into these public places. If the dog acts up, if you don't have control of your dog, if it has you know, toileting issues or it's disruptive to others, or I should say, is if it poses a direct threat to others, then those are reasons that the accommodation, the public accommodation can then say, you know, you need to take your dog out of here. But the thing is, if it's a legitimately trained service dog, like Aspen was, there's going to be no problem whatsoever. They'll simply be present and nothing more. So it really is allowing the dog in is the legal requirement. And then if there's actions that after that point substantiate removing the dog, then the public accommodation is free to do so. Okay, and then getting back to the certification. So uh, as you're saying right now, the certification was never required to to have the animal perform this service dog function. But going forward, now that there's court behind it, there's a court that decided behind it, you know, how, I guess, how much value goes into that precedent? And then because this is in the Ninth Circuit, geographically speaking, how widespread is that? Right. So this is a case of first impression in the country. Oh, wow. So though binding in only the Ninth Circuit, which is still, of course, a tremendous number of people in states, there's no other decision like it. And so this is this is a nationwide precedent. The panel's, you know, really thorough review of why, you know, there is no certification required. Congress went through this. DOJ went through this with tremendous public comment and input and evaluated the pros and cons and came out determining that no certification is required. You just have to train the dog to perform tasks. And so, you know, the panel basically reiterated what we felt was straightforward law to begin with and issued a beautiful decision with also acknowledging a lot of the literature that's out there that is really supportive of the concept of service dogs and service animals, mostly dogs and miniature horses under the regulations. So primarily dogs is what we're talking about. But there's a tremendous amount of literature out there on the efficacy and the ability of these dogs to help people with disabilities be integrated in public life. It's tremendously impactful for the person, their family, their friends, their communities. So, you know, we're really, really hopeful that this shines a light on this service dog uh, resource and that folks take advantage of it. Well, just to wrap things up, what's the conclusion here? Is uh, your client now able to bring Aspen into Del Amo Hospital to get her treatments? Not yet. Not yet. Del Amo continues to refuse Aspen entry. CL is welcome to come, but uh, Aspen is not. And, you know, in our view, they continue to violate the law. And so what's going to happen now is Judge Carter is going to review our briefing and hold a hearing on whether or not Aspen's presence at Del Amo would, quote, fundamentally alter their program. And so the law, the ADA builds in, this is the other kind of limitation on service dogs, which is if their presence, their mere presence would somehow, you know, essentially destroy the program at issue or the service or whatever the defendant does, 
then they're not required to keep the service dog. But in this case, there's no evidence at all to show that Aspen would have done that. So we're hopeful that the judge is going to issue an order denying the affirmative defense of a fundamental alteration and issue an injunction preventing Del Amo from further excluding CL in the future. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. And thank you listeners for tuning in. Without you, there's no show and that is no fun. So we really appreciate the time you invest with us. And one more thank you to our sponsor, Noda, for supporting the show. You can find them at trustnoda.com forward slash legal. That's Noda spelled N-O-T-A. And last but never least, thank you to our team, producer Molly McDonough and our LTN audio crew for being certified awesome. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Clutty. Have a great day, everybody. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.